We have four stories today, and our first is a ghost story. I grew up in a two-story house that was built in 1902. For as long as I can remember, I saw a ghost. My mum told me I began talking about it when I was very young, but she brushed it off as my imagination. I called the ghost Pam. And I'm not sure where that came from, as Pam never spoke. She would just sit at the top of the stairs. She was around eight or nine, pink, and transparent. She was harmless for the most part. However, if I ignored her, she would mess up my bedroom. And my mum would be all sorts of angry. It looks like a bomb went off in here. It wasn't me. It was Pam. Stop it, Mom. Enough about Pam. But if I said a quick hi as I passed her on the stairs, she wouldn't mess with me. Pam was present throughout my entire childhood. And at the age of fifteen, my mum put me into therapy because I was still talking about her from time to time. Therapy helped with some things, but not with Pam. When I was seventeen, my parents put our house up for sale. I don't know if it was all the people walking through or me. Packing my stuff, but something triggered Pam. About a month before our new house was built and ready to be moved into, I had a dream about Pam. She was standing in the doorway of the bathroom, and for the first time in my life, I heard Pam speak. She pointed and said, "Look." Hanging by a rope from the light fixture was the lifeless body of a dark-haired woman. That's my mum. The woman's shoe fell off her foot, and I woke up. I couldn't say anything to anyone. No one else could see Pam, but it was just a dream. A couple of weeks later, I had another dream. It was set in my bedroom. From my bed, I could see the bathroom light was on. I got out of bed. And went down the short hall. The woman who was hanging from the light fixture was kneeling over the bathtub. She was holding Pam, no longer translucent, under the water.
I woke up and could no longer contain my emotion. I ran down the hall and jumped into my parents' bed. Yes, at 17 years old. Oh my God, what now? It was just my mum in the bed. I think my dad had fallen asleep on the couch. Through tears, I told my mum everything. Then, Pam appeared in the door frame. Oh my God, it's mom, she's here. I closed my eyes and held my breath. Seconds later, I felt small, cold hands on my back, shoving me against my mum. Don't touch me. My mum could only reply. I'm not touching you. The hands left my body. And a few seconds later, I opened my eyes. Pam was standing next to the bed, staring at me. I pulled the covers over my head and cried myself to sleep. It's okay. I'm here. I moved all of my stuff out the next day and slept on the floor of our new house for the next few nights until my bedroom was ready. I never went back. Shortly after, my family moved out, but before anyone else moved in, the garage and the back part of the house went up in flames. The fire department said there was nothing suspicious about it, but they couldn't identify the cause of the fire. Part of me feels sorry for Pam, but I know there's something dark in that house. I feel as though Pam loved me, but there's no way I would ever go back. Most of us know the dangers of Ouija boards, but some people learn the hard way. When I was in high school, one of my friends had a Ouija board. She was living with her grandparents because of her family situation, and I was living on my own because of mine. 
I liked visiting her. I was lonely, and her grandmother always had a full pantry. You girls hungry? We would hang out in her room for hours, smoking and trying to contact dead celebrities. The Ouija board worked, although we never made contact with Marilyn Monroe, the one celebrity we both wanted to talk to. When one spirit, M, showed up, the planchette would move in a fast, aggressive triangle. M's defining feature was that he or she didn't like me at all. M would spell out terrible things about me, like how and when I would die. It seemed very purposeful and real. Even when we invited other people over to play, M would show up. I don't want to play anymore. Eventually, we moved on to some other pastime, and I stopped thinking about it. A few months into our senior year, my friend and I had a falling out and stopped speaking. I didn't have a lot of other friends at the time. It's hard to believe that a bipolar poetry nerd with a Ouija enemy wasn't popular, but it's true. After school, I'd go back to the small apartment where I lived alone and try to get the one channel I could get on my ancient TV. I was bored and wanted someone to talk to, so I made a Ouija board. Eventually, M showed up again with the triangles, nasty words and messages of doom. Even though I was pretty sure M was the creation of my self-hating subconscious, I decided not to play anymore. Then, things started to get a bit weird. First, it was dishes clattering in the kitchen, just occasionally. The first few times, I went to check it out. But I didn't see anything. I started feeling very uncomfortable in the apartment, 
in particular the bathroom. But I told myself I was just being silly, lonely and over-imaginative. One night, I was doing some drawings. I was also doing some paintings, some props for a school play. I went to bed with the paintings laid out on the living room floor to dry. The next morning, I went out to the living room and thought, Oh good, they're dry. Then I noticed something else on the floor. It looked like another painting. It was a page torn from the sketchbook. I put my glasses on. Written in big red letters was the word die. In the bottom right hand corner it was signed M. The paper was scorched, burnt around the edges. I stood there feeling like a cold stone had dropped into my stomach. Either someone had broken in and done this, I had done it in my sleep, or it was M. After school that day, I sat in a coffee shop for as long as I could, so I wouldn't have to go home. But eventually, I had to. When I got home, I found something that looked like purple lipstick on the wall next to my door. It was another M. I left that apartment a couple of weeks later. I haven't heard from M since, but the idea of playing with the Ouija board still makes me very nervous. A short story now about a device you may have in your home. You could even be listening to this podcast on one of these devices. About six years ago, I got an Alexa as a Christmas present. My parents are very old school and my dad was very much against having an Alexa in the house. He wouldn't even let me take it out of the box. It took months of persuasion before I could finally set it up, but with conditions. It was to be in my room only, nowhere else in the house. When I wasn't using it, it was to be on mute or unplugged. I was not to talk about personal family matters, 
no passwords or our address was to be spoken, even if it was muted. So, with those rules in place, I got to set up my Alexa. I discovered, after a while, that you could play games on it. Being an only child, and often very bored, I used that feature quite a bit. Possibly too much. One night, I was in my bedroom, playing a game with Alexa, while reading a comic book. Ripley was played by which actress in the Alien films? Sigourney Weaver. SpaceX was founded by which South African-born inventor? Elon Musk. Match play and stroke play are types of competition in which sport? Is it tennis? Tennis is wrong. It was golf. Now, listen closely. Obviously, this caught my attention. I stopped what I was doing and looked at the Alexa. Right on cue and in an almost whispered tone, she said, Don't look behind you. I unplugged it. And it was months before I used it again. We have one more. It's titled, A Meeting, or something. I'll see you next week. It was the mid-1980s, and I was a typical ten-year-old boy, living in the suburbs of Cincinnati, Ohio. At the beginning of summer, I had the idea of getting a paper round to earn some extra money. I had visions of riding my bike along the quiet streets, lobbing the papers onto driveways. But I was wrong. I had to go up to the front porch of every single house and put the papers on the doorstep. So, the bicycle riding, throwing, paperboy dream was dead. But luckily, it was only a local weekly paper. Every Wednesday after school, I'd get off the school bus at the top of our street and find the two big bundles of newspapers that had been dropped off sitting in our driveway. I'd load up with half the papers, make a circuit one way, then come back for the rest and make a circuit the other way. 80-odd papers in a canvas bag slung over my shoulder. <sighs> Once a month, 
I'd have to make an extra trip to collect the money for the last four weeks and write out a receipt. It was about eight months into the job and I was out one day collecting. It was a cold, bleak, wintry day in January. It had snowed and I'd started late that day and it was starting to get dark. I came to a brown two-storey house. No one ever answered the door at this house. The curtains were always drawn. No cars in the driveway. And there were never any lights on. We were supposed to take note of who wasn't home and go back at a later date to collect the money. But I never did that. This house always got their paper for free. But out of habit, I walked up and rang the bell. This time, the door opened. Maybe a foot and a half, and an elderly woman peered out. Hi, I'm here to collect for the suburban life. This'll take a minute. Come in while you wait. I didn't like doing this, but it was just an old lady. I was led into the dimly lit foyer and she closed the door behind me. A latch clicking into place. Moving past me, she headed down a darkened hallway, leaving me alone in the foyer. I immediately noticed how warm it was. Then I noticed something else. I was not alone. To the left of me, in a very dimly lit sitting room, were five or six people, middle to old aged, men and women, casually well dressed, all of them standing in the near dark, and all of them looking at me, perfectly still and quiet. So quiet. It was a little disconcerting, so I turned my head to the right, and in that room was half a dozen men and women of the same appearance, also standing and staring. I guessed they were having some kind of meeting or something. There was no... Pretty cold out there, hey kid. Nothing. No movements. No noise. Not a peep from any of them. You know that feeling when you're out walking alone at night? And some guy has been walking behind you for a bit too long 
And you know, you should cross the street. Like now. Right now. Yeah, it was that feeling. Then, as one, they began to slowly move from both rooms toward me. They stopped, standing shoulder to shoulder in the entryway of each room, their arms hanging unmoving at their sides. And that's when I noticed their smiles, their huge smiles. You know when someone gives you a genuine smile, their eyes wrinkle and light up. These people were just giving me mouth smiles, fake, unfriendly smiles, hungry smiles. Then it began. First, one on one side of me. <laughs> then, from the other side. <laughs> I lunged for the door. It didn't budge. It was an old-fashioned door handle where you had to push a lever down with your thumb. But I couldn't press it down. It was locked and I couldn't see how to unlock it. I gave up trying to open it with my thumb. With one hand, I grabbed the handle, then slammed my other down onto the lever. I ripped the door open to the fresh winter air and bolted into the snowy twilight then slipped off the porch, crunching face first into the snow. I slid, crawled and stumbled, got back on my feet, out of that yard and away from that house. I was shaken, cold, and wet with slush. But I didn't feel like explaining it to anyone when I got home. All I wanted to do was change into dry clothes and watch TV alone in my room. Later on, I remembered my bag. And when I looked inside, I found the receipt book and about half the money I'd collected that day was missing. I didn't really care though. I was quitting the paper round. The next day, as I came home from school, I found something 
on our front porch. It was a brown paper bag, crumpled down from the top, not folded. It was the receipt book, the missing cash, and a piece of paper. It read, When you ran away, you dropped these. I had a few restless nights, knowing those people knew where I lived, but nothing came of it. Although it was some time before I ventured past that brown two-story house again and never on foot. <laughs>